Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. I've got something special for today's episode. For those of you that follow the schedule that's up on Twitter, you know that today's episode was scheduled to be Soldier for the Empire, the first of the three Dark Forces novellas. However, I've decided to call an audible and make a small change, but I'll get back to that in a moment. First, we got a new email. It's been a few shows since the last one, so let's get right to it. Very exciting. Today's email comes from Liam Gilroy. Liam says, Who is your favorite Sith Lord that was introduced during Legends? Do you think you will get to Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader? First off, thank you very much for the email, Liam, and taking the time to interact with the show. Let me answer your second question first. Yes, I will have a show on Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. I just don't know when that's going to be yet. When I started doing this podcast, my plan was to talk about all the adult and young adult novels in Legends, focusing on one story every episode for as long as I'm having fun doing it. Now that format may change over time, but so far, I really enjoy doing the show. If I keep it to a show every two weeks, I'm pretty sure that means I'll make it through the entire run of Legends novels in about six and a half years. Who knows if I end up doing all that, but for now, that's my plan. As for the book you asked for, Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader, if you look at the schedule that's pinned on the show's Twitter account, at Legends Lounge 1, you'll see that the schedule is set through October 8th. You'll also see that I put the wrong date down for today's episode, but we won't talk about that. Sometime in September, I'm going to sit down and go over what books I'll do in the final quarter of the year, and I'll make sure your suggestion gets a spot somewhere on that list. So look for Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader, sometime in November or December. Now, Liam, for your first question, what is your favorite Sith Lord introduced in Legends? For me, it's Darth Bane, and it's because I think the Bane trilogy of books by Drew Karpishin is really, really good. Because I never got into the video games or read many of the comics, I know there are dozens of Sith Lords and Legends, just many of them that I don't know much about. I know for a lot of people, their favorite is Darth Revan, but I never played KOTOR. Uh, I've never read the Old Republic comics. My only experience with Revan is the Old Republic novel, also by Drew Karpishin, but I didn't find that book very appealing. It's the same with the ghost of Exar Kun in the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson. Those books are fine, but they aren't some of my favorites. However, I really like the Bane trilogy. I think it's one of the best series of books written in Legends. And Karpishin makes Bane a very compelling character. He's power-hungry, but patient. He's cunning, but thoughtful. And in reinstituting the rule of two, Bane sees the bigger picture for the Sith better than any other Sith Lord, in my opinion, until Palpatine. I'm really glad that Lucasfilm decided to include the Bane trilogy in its 50th anniversary Legends collection. Thank you very much for your questions, Liam. I hope to hear from you again in the future. 
And if you would like to be like Liam and you have a question or comment for the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at legendslounge1. I love hearing from you guys. Now it's time for today's book discussion. As I said at the top of the show, I've got a little surprise. Instead of just talking about the first book in the Dark Forces trilogy, Soldier for the Empire, I'm going to hit all three. That's right, I'm also going to talk about Rebel Agent and Jedi Knight. It's going to be a Kyle Katarn triple play today. The Dark Forces Trilogy by William C. Dietz. So without further ado, let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm going to hit each of these three novellas pretty quickly so as to not spoil too much for everyone during the recap. Soldier for the Empire begins one year before the events of A New Hope. An Imperial contingent led by the Inquisitor, Jarek, is sent to the Celestan moon of Sulan to put down a small rebel uprising. One of the leaders of the uprising is Morgan Katarn, whose son Kyle is about to graduate from the Imperial Academy. After a short battle, the Imperials capture the rebel cell. Jarek orders the 37 rebels executed and their heads displayed in public as a message to any others who think to defy the Empire. Meanwhile, at the Imperial Academy, Kyle Katarn leads a squadron of stormtroopers to secure another rebel installation. It's his final test before graduating the Academy, but it's a dangerous mission. The rebels have carved out a small outpost in an asteroid. The fighting is fierce. There are several casualties on both sides, but eventually the Imperials manage to take the asteroid's communications center, where several rebel officers surrender. Kyle's sergeant requests his permission for the troops to execute the prisoners. Before he answers, Kyle looks into the eyes of a young rebel woman. He doesn't know what exactly it is, but there's something about her gaze that convinces Kyle to order his men to lower their weapons and take the officers into custody. Kyle graduates with full honors. He's awarded the Imperial Medal of Valor for taking the asteroid. The Empire sends Jarek to speak during the graduation ceremony. Afterwards, Jarek approaches Kyle and tells him to trust his instincts, implying that Kyle may be Force-sensitive. It's a strange encounter, but before he has a chance to consider Jarek's words, Kyle is invited by a classmate to have dinner with his family. After dinner, a note arrives at Kyle's dorm room with the news that his father has been killed during a rebel raid. The next day, Kyle requests leave to return to Sulan and put his family's effects in order. He books passage on a Starliner home. During the trip, Kyle sees a familiar face in the crowd. The same young rebel woman from the asteroid. He pursues her through the lower decks, but it's a trap. The woman and her rebel friends corner Kyle in a small storage room. He asks what they're doing on the ship. The woman says she only wants to talk to him and to show him something. Kyle agrees not to alert the authorities until he hears what she has to say. The woman tells Kyle her name is Jan, and she has proof that Kyle's father was not killed by the rebels, but by the Empire. Jan shows Kyle a recording by a hollow journalist that was doing a story on Sulan. 
The recording shows Imperial troops wiping out the rebel cell, killing Morgan, and mounting his head in public. Disgusted by what he sees, Kyle rips off his Imperial bars and defects. Jan takes Kyle to meet with some of the leaders of the rebellion, including Mon Mothma, who knew Kyle's father, Morgan, through an old Jedi friend named Ron. She's sympathetic to Kyle's feelings of anger and betrayal towards the Empire, but Mon Mothma does not trust him. Kyle's been trained at the Imperial Academy. He could be a spy under the cover of defection. As a test, Mon Mothma tells him of a superweapon the Empire is designing. The plans are being held at a research facility on the planet Danuta. Mon Mothma tasks Kyle with stealing the plans and proving his allegiance to the Rebellion. Kyle accepts, but knows what Mon Mothma is asking is basically a suicide mission. But he doesn't care. He wants his chance to strike back at the Empire for killing his father. Later, after Kyle leaves to get supplies and more in-depth briefing, Mon Mothma pulls Jan aside. She tells Jan not to trust Kyle. His defection could be a ruse. She tells Jan that if it turns out that Kyle's an Imperial spy, then Jan will need to kill him. On Danuta, Kyle settles in as a merchant waiting to pick up a shipment, and Jan rents an apartment near the spaceport so she can see everything. Kyle spends the next few days scouting the areas of the town surrounding the research facility while Jan follows him. Soon, Kyle discovers that his friend Odom from the Academy is working at the facility and arranges a meeting. When Odom tells Kyle that he's wanted for desertion, Kyle explains what the Empire did to his father. He convinces Odom to help him enter the research facility by leaving one of the back security gates unlocked. So now, the Rebels have a plan. Kyle will sneak into the facility and steal the weapon plans, and then call Jan for extraction. Kyle enters the base and has to fight past dozens of stormtroopers and Imperial officers. Several times it looks bleak, but each time it looks like Kyle may be a goner, his senses heighten. Time seems to slow. His aim becomes incredible, and he fights his way past the Imperials, grabs the plans, and runs for the extraction point. Jan arrives right on time, and the two escape Danuta, returning to the Rebels with the Death Star plans. The second book in the trilogy, Rebel Agent, begins just after Palpatine's death. The Empire is in disarray, but it's still formidable. The Dark Jedi Jarek searches for the ancient Valley of the Jedi, a legendary place that contains enough power to allow Jarek to form his own empire, one greater and more powerful than Palpatine's. The story begins with a flashback of Morgan Katarn helping to relocate refugees to the planet Ruasan, to hide them from the Empire. During one of his trips, Morgan takes a speeder out into the wilderness to camp for the night. He comes across a group of natives, creatures that he calls bouncers, globe-like creatures with tendrils beneath their bodies that float on the night breeze. The bouncers tell Morgan about an ancient battle that took place on Ruasan between two armies of force-wielders. The battle ended with both armies being trapped beneath the sands, where they've waited for thousands of years for someone to free them. The bouncers believe Morgan to be that person, but he refuses. Morgan knows he's Force-sensitive, and he had a chance to train under the Jedi Knight Ron, but he decided against it, fearing that he would turn to the dark side. But Morgan made note of where the bouncers revealed the Valley of the Jedi to be. 
He intended to give the map to Ron the next time they met, but that never happened, because Morgan soon was killed by the Empire. Flash forward to present day, Jarek knows where Ron lives, among a small group of rebel farmers on the planet Dorlo. Jarek believes Ron knows where the Valley of the Jedi is located. He sends a group of dark Jedi acolytes to capture Ron. Amongst the group is Jarek's apprentice, a woman named Saris, and her acolyte, Yun, a teenage boy. Ron senses the dark Jedi approaching. He and the rebels spring a trap, attacking the Imperials. The rebels manage to take out one of the troop transports, but they're quickly overrun and Ron is taken prisoner. The Dark Jedi interrogate Ron, first torturing him physically, then executing three prisoners in front of him. But Ron refuses to tell Jarek what he knows about the Valley of the Jedi. Jarek pulls the information out of Ron's mind, not about the location of the valley, but that his former friend Morgan Katarn had made a map to the location. Getting all the information he was going to from Ron, Jarek ignites his lightsaber and executes the Jedi. On Nar Shaddaa, Kyle Katarn meets with the bounty hunter droid 8T88, asking about who killed his father Morgan. The droid tells Kyle that it was the dark Jedi Jarek that ordered Morgan's execution, the same Jarek that spoke at Kyle's graduation from the Imperial Academy. Kyle attempts to buy a data disk from AT-88, but the droid refuses. There's a bounty on Kyle's head for deserting the Empire and stealing the plans for the first Death Star. A firefight ensues, and during the fighting, Kyle severs 88's arm and steals the data disk. He flees through the Nar Shaddaa streets and calms Jan for extraction, but not before Kyle is shot through the shoulder and passes out. Aboard the Rebel hospital ship Mercy, while Kyle receives back to treatments, Jan finds someone to read the data disk. It's damaged, but Jan's slicer manages to decode most of it. What she hears is harrowing. A final message from Morgan Katarn for his son. Meanwhile, Kyle is asleep following his dip in the back to tank. As he dreams, a man comes to him. The man tells Kyle about the Valley of the Jedi that Jarek is looking for the valley because of the power that lies within. The man tells Kyle his name is Ron. Ron tells Kyle to learn the ways of the Jedi, and he needs to learn them quickly. When Kyle awakes, Jan tells him about the disc. She's going to take it to Mon Mothma, and he needs to see it. When they get to Mon Mothma's office, they find Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. Following their introductions, Jan pops the disc into a computer, a hologram of Morgan Katarn appears and tells Kyle that he left two gifts for him at their farm on Sulan. The first is a map to the Valley of the Jedi, embedded in the ceiling of the Katarn workshop. The second is a lightsaber, one that used to belong to a Jedi named Ron. Mon Mothma asks why the Valley of the Jedi is important. Luke tells the group the legend of the Battle of Ruasan. More than a thousand years ago, two force armies met on the planet, the Brotherhood of Darkness, led by Lord Khan, and the Army of Light, led by General Hoth. Luke says the two sides battled for months, destroying cities and the landscape of the planet. Finally, the Brotherhood lured the Army of Light into the valley, trapping their spirits in a state of suspended animation. 
When Kyle and Jan travel to the Katarn farm on Sulan, they find Jarek's acolytes searching the ruins. But the Imperials can't find anything. After they leave, Kyle and Jan sneak into the ruins of the home and down into Morgan's workshop. They find a series of mosaic tiles on the ceiling, buried beneath a layer of plaster. It was a map of Ruasan, showing the way to the Valley of the Jedi. In the corner of the shop, Kyle also finds his father's old helper droid, Ouija. Turning Ouija on, Kyle asks about his father's relationship to Ron. Ouija tells Kyle that they were friends, and that Ron hid his lightsaber on the farm. When Kyle asks where the lightsaber is hidden, Ouija opens a compartment in his chest, revealing the Jedi's weapon. The book ends with Kyle and Ouija being chased across the Sulan landscape by the group of Dark Acolytes. Kyle faces off with a teenager Yun and bests him in a lightsaber duel. Disarmed, Young tells Kyle to kill him. Just as Kyle is about to oblige, he hears Ron's voice telling him to show mercy. Kyle listens to the fallen Jedi, calms Jan, and escapes, leaving Yun in disbelief. Kyle and Jan return to the Rebel command ship to plan their mission to Ruasan. The final book of the trilogy is Jedi Knight. The story takes place almost entirely on Ruasan. Jarek and his dark acolytes arrive, looking for the Valley of the Jedi. When none of the settlers can tell them where the valley is located, Jarek orders the settlement destroyed. In the chaos, a small group of settlers escapes into the wilderness. Kyle and Jan sneak onto the planet and discover a hidden radio signal, asking any would-be rescuers to travel 50 kilometers north of the settlement. Once there, they find the small band of settlers who had escaped. Kyle and Jan ask about the valley. The settlers know the story, but they don't know its location. If anyone does, they say, it's the bouncers, the natives of the planet. That night, a herd of the bouncers passes the rebel camp. When Kyle stops to ask them about the valley, the bouncers surround him, stare at him, and touch him with their tentacles. When Jan asks what they're doing, the bouncers say they can see Morgan in Kyle's face, and they hope Kyle is the person the bouncers have waited for for over a thousand years to release the spirits in the Valley of the Jedi. The bouncers decide to guide Kyle and Jan on their journey. Unfortunately, Jarek and his acolytes arrive at the valley first. Jarek sets the Imperial troops to comb through the valley, cataloging and removing any artifacts that they find. Yun is put in charge of the troops while Jarek and the other acolytes look for the place where Jarek can tap into the power contained within the ruins. The bouncers sneak Kyle and Jan into the valley through an old aqueduct. Once they reach the opening to the ruins, they plan to split up. Kyle will sneak in and stop Jarek, while Jan remains at the opening of the aqueduct, serving as lookout and covering their escape. But the plan goes off the rails early. After Kyle disappears into the ruins of the valley, Jan's lookout spot is discovered, and she's taken into custody. And that tips the Imperials off to Kyle, who set off in search of the fledgling Jedi. Soon, they discover him as he closes in on Jarek's position. The Dark Acolytes attack, but Kyle is able to defeat each of them with Ron's help. Kyle hears the former Jedi in his thoughts. As Ron speaks to him, telling Kyle to trust his feelings and reach out with the Force. 
After defeating the three acolytes, Kyle finds Jan tied to a pillar. He frees her, and Jan tells Kyle that Jarek is in the temple behind her. Kyle enters the temple and discovers Jarek standing on a mound inside a column of light. Jarek offers Kyle to join him, to bask in the power emanating from the light. But Kyle remembers what Ron told him, to trust his feelings to defeat the dark side. Kyle turns off his lightsaber, closes his eyes, and reaches out, feeling for the column of light. Kyle encircles the light around Jarek, encasing him in the power of the light side of the Force. Jarek falls. His access to the Force has been severed. Enraged and confused, Jarek ignites his lightsaber and lunges at Kyle, but the Jedi blocks Jarek's attack and slices through the Dark Jedi's chest, killing Jarek. Finally, Kyle reaches out to the spirits of the long-dead Jedi in the valley, guiding them to freedom from their prison to return to the Cosmic Force. Time for a break. When we return, I'll break down the stuff in these three novellas, both the good and the not-so-good. I'm Aaron Motes. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from the Star Wars Legends line. But allow me to take a moment and recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Lords of the Sith tells the tale of Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader marooned on the planet Ryloth. The two must fight together against a Twi'lek army. But what's more dangerous to the two Sith Lords, the rebels or each other? Find out in Lords of the Sith by Paul S. Kemp. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that talks about the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. Today, I'm talking about the Dark Forces trilogy of novellas by William C. Dietz. Now, let's get some of the stuff out of the way that I usually say for the end, mostly the canon stuff. Is there any way that any of these novellas will show up in canon? No, not the story. Because... Soldier of the Empire tells the story of how Kyle Katarn steals the plans for the first Death Star for the Rebels. We already have that story now. That's Rogue One. And the second and third book, Rebel Agent and Jedi Knight, tell the story of Kyle freeing the spirits trapped in the Valley of the Jedi. While that one would probably have more of a chance to making it into canon, I don't think it will. If you'll note, that story is the same story from the Bane trilogy of books, from the ending of the first book, Path of Destruction, where Bane tricks the Brotherhood of Darkness into forming the Thought Bomb on Rosan and trapping themselves and the Army of the Light in a Force cocoon. There are differences in the story. The Dark Forces novellas have the Valley of the Jedi. In Darth Bane Path of Destruction, it's deep down in a series of caves beneath Ruasan's surface. These stories don't mention Bane at all, which that part I'm fine with. 
It's a legend. You know, we don't know what these characters know. These characters may not know anything. They just know the legend of two force armies battling it out on Ruasan. So not including Bane doesn't bother me at all. But I think if either story is likely to show up in canon somewhere, I think it'll be the story told in the Bane trilogy, which incidentally came after this one. Credit William C. Dietz for coming up with the story first. These books were printed in the late 90s. The Bane trilogy was printed in 2006-2007. So Drew Carpishan took some of the inspiration of the battle on Ruasan, the Brotherhood of Darkness, the Army of Light, and the Thought Bomb from these books. So credit William C. Dietz for coming up with the original thought. I think the execution is better in the Bane trilogy of books. Well, specifically the first Bane book, Path of Destruction. So I don't think anything from the stories in these books are going to show up in canon. Could we see some characters show up in canon? Sure. Kyle Katarn could show up in canon. I don't know if he would show up in the same time period during the Galactic Civil War or if he would show up in some other point in time. I know I sound like a broken record, but you can take any character and put them in the distant past and it works. There's nothing currently in canon that rules out anything that happened in the distant past. Of course, that would mean Jan Ord could show up in canon. She could be a pilot somewhere. Morgan Katarn, the Jedi Ron. I think if Ron would show up and maybe by my pronunciation, you don't know how that's spelled. It's spelled R-A-H-N. I pronounce it Ron. I, I, I assume that's the way they pronounce it. I don't think the Jedi Ron would show up in any point in time that we currently know of. So basically any time from the Phantom Menace forward. He could show up any time prior to the Phantom Menace. He could show up in the High Republic. I don't think that's likely, but he could. Most likely, if they ever do anything with the Old Republic, that would be where you would place him in the timeline. As much as I love Legends, one thing that occasionally irks, irked me about Legends were the number of Jedi that escaped Order 66. Too many Jedi escaped Order 66. I know there are some that escaped it in canon. Obi-Wan did. Yoda did. Caleb Doom. Cal Kestis from the Fallen Order video game. And Ahsoka Tano. I know she says she's not a Jedi. I think there's a little leeway there. But regardless, she escaped Order 66. Those are the ones that we know of. I'm sure in maybe some of the canon books or comics that I haven't read yet, some others escaped it. Actually, I know there is one other one because I think there is a Jedi in one of the Vader canon comics that escapes. And that's the Jedi that Vader kills, takes his lightsaber, and crafts his red lightsaber from. But that's only, what, five, six that escaped Order 66. 
in Legends, there are quite a few. And that's one thing that I think canon has done better than Legends ever did. Anyway, the story you're not going to see in canon. Some of the characters, sure, we could see in canon. Now, were these good stories? They're not my favorite. However, I understand what these stories are. They're based off of the video games. They're based off of Dark Forces and Jedi Knight. So it's not like they're complex stories. They're simple stories that follow the events of the video games. And in that, I think they do their job well. I've never played Jedi Knight. I have actually played the first one or two levels of the original Dark Forces back in the mid-90s. And one of the things that I think is really good in the book, the first book, Soldier for the Empire, the last chapter is almost exactly like the first board or two of Dark Forces. If you've ever played that game, when you read the final chapter of Soldier for the Empire, you can see that level. You can see everything that's happening. When Kyle is running through the research facility and he's shooting stormtroopers on his left, shooting stormtroopers on his right, when doors open and Imperial officers walk out, yell at him, then you have to shoot those guys. When you have to take an elevator up or down in order to find the red key, the red key then opens the door to the inner part of the research facility where you grab the Death Star plans. Once he grabs the plans, he calms Jan on his radio, and then he has to get to the roof for Jan to come pick you up. Again, I never played many video games, but I did play the first board or two of Dark Forces back in like 1995 or 1996. I think someone brought the game to school and we played the game in the computer lab for a couple weeks. I was never very good with video games, but I did make it through the first couple boards. And I think in that, the book does an excellent job. I assume it's similar in Jedi Knight. When I'm reading those books, there are a couple moments in Rebel Agent and Jedi Knight where the narrative reads like a first-person shooter video game. Like, you could see yourself moving through corridors, shooting enemies, using your lightsaber to deflect blaster bolts. So, I'm going to say that these books were successful. I may not be a big fan of the stories, but they're simply stories based off a video game to try to get you to purchase the video game. So, that's what the stories do best, in my opinion. They read like a first-person shooter video game play. And for those of you that like video games, and specifically first-person shooter games, I would read these books. I'm sure you can find the old Dark Forces and Dark Forces Jedi Knight video games out there somewhere. And compare and contrast. Tell me if these books remind you of a video game. And if you do play the game, tell me if Dietz 
got the details right in how he wrote them in these books. I think that'd be really interesting. I'm not going to go looking for them. Like I said, I, I don't really play video games. Now, before I wrap up this analysis, I have to talk about a couple funny little things in these books. They're humorous, but they're one of those things that kind of stick in your crawl. At least they stick in my crawl. I don't really care too much when the real world comes into Star Wars. I know some people have an issue with that. In The Empire Strikes Back, when Han is about to go out on the Tauntaun to look for Luke, and the one rebel officer at Hoth tells him that his Tauntaun won't make it to the first marker, that it'll freeze to death. And Han tells him, I'll see you in hell. I know that bothers a few people because hell, of course, is a real world concept. In the first Thrawn trilogy, I know a lot of people have an issue with one of the drinks that Luke likes, hot chocolate, because that's a real world concept. I don't think they would have an issue if they named it something else. I mean, we know in Star Wars when they say calf, what is calf? It's coffee. We know that, but we, they don't call it coffee. They call it calf. We know what a refresher is. A refresher is a restroom, but they don't call it a restroom. They call it a refresher. That kind of stuff usually doesn't bother me. However, there is one thing in the first book, Soldier for the Empire, that it made me laugh out loud when I read it. Well, the first time I read it, I was like, did I just read that correctly? And I read it a second time, and I actually chuckled out loud. And let me read the short passage to you. Desperate now and unable to come up with a better alternative, Kyle felt around the ground, found a baseball-sized rock, and stood straight up. Kyle found a baseball-sized rock. <laughs> that just made me laugh. I may not worry about something like a drink called hot chocolate or Han saying, I'll see you in hell. But something about seeing the term baseball-sized in Star Wars. I mean, maybe you could argue somewhere else in the universe they have a concept of a place in the afterlife that they call hell. You could maybe argue that. Maybe there's a planet somewhere that has a plant that you can make something comparable to chocolate. Okay. I don't know how you get baseball anywhere in the Star Wars universe. I don't know how you come up with something that's baseball-sized. <laughs> and I don't know. That just made me chuckle. So I guess where in the past... I've been willing to look past those things. And ultimately, I did look past this. It's just something that clearly doesn't fit. It just does not fit in the story. But it's there. So, that's it for the book discussion this week. Instead of just one, we went ahead and did all three Dark Forces stories. And uh, I'd say they're worth picking up. Now, I will say, you can find the first two out there. Soldier for the Empire and Rebel Agent. You can find the first two out there for a decent price. 
the third book, Jedi Knight, unless you're willing to get a used copy that has some damage, you're going to spend a decent amount of money getting that book. A used copy in good condition sells for over $100 US. And that's the hardback. The paperback is even harder to find. You'll find, I, I just went online before I started recording today, just searching for some of the paperbacks. And I saw them being sold for over $1,000 US. So these aren't the easiest books to get your hands on. You can get your hands on the first two. You're going to pay a little more than the list price on the book. But you're not going to break the bank doing it. You're going to pay $20, $30 US plus shipping and handling. But the third book, Jedi Knight, it's difficult to come by. Anyway, if you want to find them, though, they are out there. So it's time to wrap up the show. On our next episode, we're going to stay in this era during the Galactic Empire. I'll be talking about the book Death Star, a series of stories by Michael Reeves and Steve Perry. So join me for that on August 13th. Until then, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, please feel free to email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at Legends Lounge 1. Ask me a question or send a message. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much again for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. Remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.